Welcome to Courage in Healthcare, a podcast sponsored by Maxworth Consulting Group. I'm your host, Kyle Worthing. COVID-19 has altered our world in many ways. Members of the healthcare community have overcome unforeseen challenges and, in the process, have learned a lot about what it takes to see their patients and their practices through a worldwide pandemic. In our next few episodes, we'll be speaking with providers about the outbreak. We'll discuss the setbacks they've had to handle, the lessons they've learned, and what the future might hold for healthcare and physician practices. In this episode, we speak by phone with Dr. Katherine Williams, a practicing OBGYN and president of the Louisiana Medical Society. She shares her insights on maintaining a practice during the outbreak, the varying impact the virus has had on providers across different specialties, and the importance of care delivery amidst the fear of infection. If you wouldn't mind starting off just telling us a little bit about yourself, um, maybe your specialty and your practice, uh, and that, would, uh, that would be helpful. Sure. So I am an OBGYN. I've mm-hmm. uh, been in practice, uh, private practice since 1998. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, my area is St. Tammany Parish, uh, which mm-hmm. is Covington, my office is in Covington, Louisiana. And um, tell me a little bit more about your practice and how it serves the community where you live. Uh, I, I know you said you're it, practicing OBGYN. Uh, is it an OBGYN only practice, multi-specialty clinic, and what kind of community are you involved with there? Um, so I take care of um, women of all phases of their life, reproductive age to uh, menopause, mm-hmm. and I do. I'm very well balanced, I would say. And, and if anything, I've been practicing for over 20 years now, so it was sort of probably doing a little bit more GYN than OB. That was sort of my mm-hmm. plan. Um, so I'm a robotic surgeon. I do a lot. I have a, I've been doing, I've done over 2,500 robotic cases. So I am a referral source and a a physician that patients seek, uh, for robotic surgery when they're told they need robotic surgery. So, um, that's something I, I enjoy immensely and, um, and really was hoping to really go, you know, in that direction almost exclusively before uh, COVID hit. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit more about how the virus and subsequent closures have impacted uh, your community and then subsequently uh, your your own practice? So, and I will tell you, um, I I know you didn't ask me this, but I am president of Louisiana State Medical Society. Oh, fantastic. And and, and it was not the presidency that I uh, hoped to have. You know, mm-hmm. Alice and Matt, we advocate for <laughs> yeah. physicians, you know, yeah, yeah. legislative and, and many other uh, aspects, but it's become a really important role in dealing with COVID in this state in that I've had the opportunity, I've had a, a few meetings with LDH to try to problem solve how to get through this together. With mm-hmm. that said, my community is fortunate. Uh, St. Tammany Parish is a, um, we're a healthy community. We are a community that, is most people are engaged in their health care, and so that makes our job easier. With that said, that is not necessarily the norm in the state. Um, and so many physicians across the state have had to deal with inadequate PPE, with um, hospitals that maybe don't have rules in place that pr- protect the physician, and even doctors that have faced pay, cut, pay cuts or, 
um, having to do jobs that they were not hired to do uh, in order to make their salary. So it's been extremely mm. stressful for doctors across, uh, many doctors across the state of Louisiana. Yeah, I was about to say, um, uh, that's got to be a huge emotional and mental impact or challenge for, for providers. Um, is there any thoughts around that you can, you can share with us, uh, you know, how, yeah. how providers are dealing with that? Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, as you know, I mean, I would think it was, uh, maybe it was around, well, it was March 17th, you know, we had mm-hmm. the day, I think we got the LDH order and elective surgeries and, and I'm, I'm, it's somewhere around there, March mm-hmm. 17th, mm-hmm. March 20, 20th, some, sometime in between then. And they stopped doing elective surgeries. And then they uh, consequently uh, shut down clinics for emergency services only. Mm. And so that had a huge financial impact on many yeah. different doctors. What was really interesting were the doctors that prospered and, the, and were really prospering and the doctors that didn't were really hurting. And so mm. you've got... I'm lucky. Um, I've never been more grateful to be an obstetrician. And mm-hmm. so, as I said, you know, I was really, I had a, a thriving uh, robotics and Joanne surgery practice, and all of a sudden it, it comes to a standstill. And um, so, what I found was that in my personal experience, that pay, we were getting, I mean, requests to transfer from the inner, from the big cities to hmm. the neighboring communities where we had known good quality care, we had reputations for good care, good doctors, and they didn't want to go, they did not want to get their care in New Orleans or Jefferson Parish that was getting hit so hard. So that, I mean, I'm still, I'm still dealing with that. I mean, I'm doing, uh, let's see, I did maybe 10 deliveries a month, which is what I kept it at by limiting my insurance provider, my insurance, you know, pulls on like, you know, no, no new OBs or only take this. And now, golly, uh, seven to eight a week, which oh, is, wow. which is, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's that's a lot. A it's exhausting. Yeah. yeah. But so I'm lucky. I'm lucky to be an OB. We did have a significant drop in revenue when we uh-huh. were not able to do GYN surgery and our capacity, our, our productivity in clinic dropped from an extremely busy practice to maybe 40% uh, because mm-hmm. we still had to see our OB patients, but we're, we're, you know, doing a lot of telehealth and, and such. So we were hurting, you know, my goal though, I, so I own my business mm-hmm. and I employ two, I employ two doctors and I mm-hmm. employ two nurse practitioners and I, I wanted to make sure they're my family, you know, my, my yeah, daytime yeah. family. And so yeah. I made a promise that, to myself and to my, in my office. And I said, I'm going to keep this together. So I did not do a single pay cut, not a wow. single pay cut. And I kept everybody. And I just, I just took every transfer and, and I've just been blowing and going, trying to, to make sure that I kept us whole and we're going to be fine. We are going to yeah. be fine. Well, well, that's great. It's terrific to hear. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you hit on something that I wanted to ask you about, and that is uh, telemedicine. Um, what has your experience with telemedicine been like? It, is it, uh, is it, has it been a useful tool for you or, uh, how is your practice adapting, I guess, with, with telemedicine? Right. 
Well, so fortunately, so GYN and telemedicine uh-huh. don't really go well together. Right. Yeah. So we do we do some for non GYN issues, of course, such as if anybody is uh, sick or a person of mm-hmm. interest. Then or under investigation PUI, then mm-hmm. we would do a telehealth visit for that. But it's limited. Um, you know, we can't get heart tones on the baby. We can't do a blood mm-hmm. pressure check. But we do what we can, and we adapt to make sure we deliver safe care for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but for for mental health visits, for some things like that, we're able to do with telehealth. For follow-up visits, med checks, we're able to do telehealth. Mm-hmm. But uh, mostly uh, OBGYN. Again, so, um, many of our visits continued. We had we had to continue them as in person uh, visits. Yeah. We yeah. are we have very strict guidelines in our office, and we never wavered. So we always maintain mask, temperature, symptom check. We call before and after. So the burden on my staff has increased exponentially. Um, the cost of doing business from that regard has increased. Mm. Because you need you need your manpower to meet your uh, to make sure that you're providing uh, safe care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, well, that's that's interesting, um, and I would assume that more in person visits would be would mean more in PPE uh, that you would have to to acquire and complications and challenges yeah. around that. Yeah. Yeah. So what so what happened was we actually got donations from. Um, ladies in our community, yeah, uh-huh. ladies in our community who, are, who who made masks for us, no charge. They um, actually make cloth masks. In fact, there are studies that showing those double cloth masks are more uh-huh. effective than some of the paper ones. We would we would write our, you know our our name a CWH on the front, and then we would have a, a sterile bag, a, um, a biohazard bag that we would collect them at the end, and you know use um, with a a strict protocol, wash them and be able to utilize that when we couldn't get the paper mask. So wow. we've, we've been able to keep up our supply that way. Wow. That's, that's great. That's very, uh, thinking on your feet. Well, so that's we, definitely for sure. Yeah. You know, that's great. We been, so, so we've been very, we would, um, some other things we would do, and I'm happy to share this with other providers. Sure. Is, yeah. You know, we, we have, um, meetings once, once COVID hit, the mm-hmm. providers would get together with my manager, with our social distancing and our math. We would meet every Monday to recap. We have like this, we create an algorithm with, with chains of, okay, if we're shut down, we can't do in-person at all. This is what we're going to do. So we just mm. had a plan every step of the way would modify the plan based on what the governor's orders or rules were and adapt accordingly. And so thus we've, we've survived. We've ha- not had any COVID outbreaks in our office, nor to our knowledge, any patients get it because of our, our, our strict uh, protocol and policy. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, that is good insights, certainly, that we can share with uh, with others. Um, let's shift gears a little bit again. And, and uh, I know with your role uh, with the Medical Association or the Medical Society in Louisiana, um, I th- you might have some insights into the needs of the emergency department at other facilities and perhaps your own. Uh, how do you think those needs uh, have changed or are going to change in the future uh, because of this virus? 
So the emergency departments have um, become very good at dealing with COVID and, and PPE mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. infection prevention. They are, uh, there's a, a, a different triage setting where, you know, you did have your high, high acuity patients that would go straight back. Now there's that element of infection screening and now do you have to send them into the COVID area for mm-hmm. in fact, you know, ex- extreme infection control. Um, as far as if the doctors are overworked or if you're asking me if they are, uh, if they feel comfortable working, I, mm-hmm. I, at least in my community and the doctors I've spoken to do feel comfortable with the mm-hmm. um, equipment they're provided with and mm-hmm. in the environment in which they work. Now, I'm sure there's always, again, there are hospitals and um, I haven't heard about ER, but I have heard about on the COVID units where mm-hmm. doctors have not felt, not felt safe and mm-hmm. not given the PPE that, that they feel safe working with. Now, this was the beginning of COVID. Right. A lot of those issues have resolved. Now, I feel like they're sort of becoming pros at it, and we, mm-hmm. we understand how to deal with this better, and the ER doctors understand how to deal with it better. Mm, that's great. Um, so what are these lessons that you've learned that I'm sure you've learned a bunch, uh, that you didn't know you were going to learn at the beginning of this year, uh, these lessons that you learned, what will you carry forward, uh, into the future, uh, this post COVID world, hopefully that we will have sooner rather than later, but what kind of lessons will you carry forward for your practice or, or, uh, or to well, other positions? Right. I think what's really interesting, and again, ha- having uh, having talked to several doctors across the state and also watching what happens in the hospital setting, mm-hmm. and also what patients are saying, there has been, as a consequence, a lot of patients are seeking care at smaller facilities, facilities that are lower risk from the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So, um and that's why I've had so many transfers. It's, again, it's patients that were maybe coming from these big hospitals on the South Shore in New Orleans and now coming mm-hmm. to St. Tammany. And even patients who don't want to go to St. Tammany and want to go to ambulatory care centers. Okay, ambulatory care centers have no COVID patients in the hospital. They mm-hmm. are, they're just surgery centers. They're not equipped to handle COVID. And so those facilities have prospered. Um, and they, they should. I mean, they, there's no reason why they shouldn't. I think what I feel as a, a um, I would hope that our government and our healthcare leaders, hospitals, and every every everybody realizes we can't put all eggs in one basket. You find these big corporate um, facilities that have their clinics and their doctors and their their hospitals that have you know, a hundred beds or more and all their doctors are employed in that hospital. And I think those facilities had, had really, had really had some pain from this. They've lost a lot of money with, mm-hmm. you know, supposedly with every COVID patient, they lose so much revenue and not to mention maybe a reluctance for patients to go into these big healthcare environments right. for fear yeah. of not being able to social distance. Mm-hmm. So I think that there, I now, I'm also going to an ambulatory care center and I have patients who don't want to go to my oh, yeah. local yeah. Uh, 
community hospital, uh-huh. but rather yeah. want, want me to do the surgery at a, a smaller ambulatory care center, which is perfectly fine with me. We yeah. do need to make, I think we need to make sure we support those facilities to always have that option. Uh, and that we don't put our, all our eggs in one basket is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Have you seen a bright line, a distinction between, you know, practices or providers that are doing well? Is it is it by specialty or is it just by adaptation, those yes. that are able to to change with the times quickly? Um, what was absolutely. your Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. By specialty, mm. some adaptation. So OBGYN. Uh, for the most part, um, they're doing great. They, it was hard. Now, I can't say all of them. I've heard about OBGYN practices that are, are heavy Medicaid practices mm-hmm. in some of the rural areas are hurting real bad. Mm-hmm. Um, they may have trouble getting there. They can't do telehealth. There's a high mm-hmm. COVID incidence. They can't come into the office. And, and those doctors are hurting. We, we really, and I've been advocating for relief at a state level for Medicaid um, payments, prepayments. Mm-hmm. Thus far, it has not happened. Um, other, um, you know, and of course, um, I don't want to say that there isn't essential care, but patients have been a, a reluctant to get their care. Now they're coming in. That is a message that needs to continue to be delivered, that, that patients need to continue their care. We know that COVID mm-hmm. outcomes are directly linked to the state of health and with patients not getting their care that puts, you know, Louisiana has some of the worst outcomes. We need to make sure we maintain that. Are patients doing it? Some are, some aren't. And I've been working with LDH to try to get that message out and educate patients about what they need to do to protect themselves and about how they need to maintain their care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Courage in Healthcare. We look forward to sharing more perspectives on the pandemic from various providers in the upcoming weeks. If you or someone that you know would like to share your insights regarding the pandemic, please let me know. We'll be happy to set up a call. And until next time, I'm Kyle Worthy, and thanks for listening.